this is the Revolution Now podcast. Royalty-free music created by us, played by us. Feel free to use it. We won't plagiarise you. Welcome to the Revolution Now podcast. I'm Farah. I'm Jambi. And through this podcast, we ask you, the listeners, to join us and to educate. To organise. And to and agitate. To agitate. Ooh, getting better, getting Ooh. better. Um, just a quick disclaimer before we kick off this podcast. Um, this podcast is being recorded in two different locations. We are both isolating. Um, and also, just a trigger warning, this podcast does contain details and stories of gender-based violence and sexual harassment. So I think we're just going to kick off the podcast um, just by seeing how each other are. How are you, Jam? I'm good. I'm good. Apart from, you know, everything going on at the moment. How are you? I agree. I agree. You know, I'm okay. Um, I think this past week has been a lot. I and mean, I think this is one of the weekly topics this week. Um, so to kickstart one of the, the topics, I'm saying kickstart quite a few times. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, just to kickstart, um, third time, just, <laughs> just to start off the weekly topic this week, um, we're going to be talking about um, something that's really taken over the news this week um, and I think something that has really um, taken a toll on every woman in this country um, and even cut, like women internationally I've seen a lot of women internationally post about this online as well um, and that is the story of Sarah Everard um, Sarah Everard um, went missing um, and her last known form of contact to someone was at 9.30. This was a week ago. Um, she went missing. And I remember a few days after that, people were posting missing um, posts online on social media to see if the people could find her. Um, and then eventually it kind of picks up on the news um, that a man had been arrested. And then um, the man was a serving Metropolitan Police officer. So Metropolitan Police is the London-based police service. Um, and that another like the next day later this whole story kind of escalated escalated in a whole week and they found human remains and then they the next day they identified them as sarah and now this man has been charged um and he's in prison um so this was kind of the story and i think what kind of made it more outrageous to women as well is because she was just merely walking home um and she was wearing bright clothing she you know it was only 9 30 p.m um and she called her boyfriend prior, you know, she did all the steps that we, you know, as women are expected to do in order to be safe, which really are unnecessary steps. And we shouldn't have to be doing any of that um, just to walk home freely. Um, so that was the brief story of of what's happened. And I believe he's, he's isn't he, his trial ex- isn't on the 17th or the 16th? I think so, at the Old Bailey, I think it's on the 16th. Yeah, um, and his trials is um, expected then. But I think one of the outrageous parts of this all um is the media's coverage and i think jamie can agree with me here like all the images that are used of him is a picture of him smiling not in Mm. uniform you know the media is describing him as you know a loving father of two um his neighbors and staff are coming out to say he was such a lovely man and this man was i mean he three days prior to her going missing he like indecently i mean what's the indecent exposure exposure yeah and he he did that in like a mcdonald's in south london and um if the police had actually you know called him upon that it could have saved sarah's life so it's not only the kind of the fear we have as women it's also a police service um that isn't fit for purpose um so i mean do you want to take it away jamie on some of the media coverage you've seen 
Well, I've seen sort of um, a lot of the time the pictures don't seem to be too bad of him. Like they make him look quite, you know, a family man. I saw a picture of him and his wife. Put um, a picture of him in uniform. Yeah, this is what they need to be doing. It's just, it's just kind of traumatizing as women to think that who can we trust if we can't trust the police force? What are we yeah. supposed to do then? Like you would think if you were Sarah and you were walking home and you were stopped by a police officer, you would assume that this person would be there to protect and, you know, do what they're supposed to do to protect and serve, yeah. not actually take our lives. And there's a lack of uh, detail in exactly what happened. And we, we all know, like, his specific job within the Metropolitan Police was, isn't it, diplomatic officer? Like, he protects oh, yeah, um, yeah. politicians and stuff. He's undercover or whatever. He's dressed in normal clothes. Um, and th- I think they also have enough police on their premises. How about protecting women? But, okay, they need extra police. They need undercover police. Um, and so we don't know. Perhaps he had a badge, because that's perhaps one of the only ways to identify if you're an undercover officer is your badge or whatever so perhaps he used his badge to like you know lure Sarah we don't know that's the thing um but I think it's just the um the scariness of it like we thought we could trust someone with a badge and we obviously can't um and I think it just shows kind of um the Metropolitan Police are really not fit for service and like we saw um I mean, right now, I mean, I was looking at, I was reading a Guardian article um, and the article said how only 30% um, of Metropolitan Police officers are female. Um, So that's an overwhelmingly male force. And the male force have had hundreds of complaints against them by female officers. And imagine hundreds of complaints by the few female officers that are within the Metropolitan Police of sexual harassment, of a sexual assault, um, and all and yeah. kind of things of that nature um and they never get called upon it and i i was reading um still in the same guardian article i'll link it in the link tree um they were saying how um they never these complaints never get investigated the people either get promoted the people either they retire um or they resign and they resign with like a hefty um a hefty like resignation fee um which is really outrageous if even at the highest level um, that that's what's happening it's just so um I have a friend who's actually part of the Met Police Force and um, she's a woman um but well when we were discussing this um she was basically disgusted that it was somebody who was a Met Police officer and I sort of uh, honestly it was very triggering towards her because imagine working in a force where she herself she's a very good person she just wants to help people but when you think about um, somebody through who's part of your organization does that what can you say to justify that you can't say anything you know what are you supposed to say to people who speak to you about that knowing that you work in the same sort of police force as people like that you you just don't know what to say I wouldn't know what to say no I agree it's I feel like also um so the commissioner of the Met Police Cresta Dick she's the first um female commissioner um so I mean really if you look at her record she was more just you know a token do i mean a token gesture to have as commissioner she's responsible for the unlawful killing of of quite a few people including um john charles de menez i don't know how to pronounce his surname i do apologize de menzes um and she she got promoted i'm sorry but if you look up um the the foot like Honestly, I was horrified. I mean, I knew about this story. It happened during um, 7-7. They, the, police, the Metropolitan Police thought John Charles was um, a, a bomber, apparently. Um, and the only kind of um, 
I guess uh, the only thing they had to accuse him was his appearance. So it's based like purely on racist preferences of what they think bombers look like. That's what they did. He was literally just sitting on the tube in jeans. And they literally came up to him. He literally, he put his hands up. He's like, I don't know what I've done. I've not done nothing. I've not done. They shot him. They killed him there and then in the middle of the tube in front of so many, like, I, and Cressida Dick, who was responsible, she was promoted. And she got the highest position in the in, in the whole of the Metropolitan Police. Um, and that's the kind of, we need to kind of connect um, that murder to what happened to Sarah as well. Um, and I was speaking to Janvi actually, yes, well, la- la- quite late last night. Wasn't yes. it? <laughs> um, just because this story has been playing on our mind a lot. Um, and yeah, do you want to talk about Blessing? Oh, yes, I do want to talk about Blessing quickly. Um, I was on the internet, you know, reading up about Sarah and I saw... Um, a page post about Blessing Olu Stegen. I apologise if I'm saying it wrong. Um, she was found on a beach in Sussex last year and her death remains unexplained. They closed the case. Um, they basically haven't done anything to sort of find out what happened to Blessing. I believe she was only 21 years old. Um, her family basically said they want the world to come together and to help us find out what happened to our Blessing. We want to find out how she died please let's all come together and change the system we want to help raise awareness for cctv cameras to be made available at the beach and in every local area so investigation can be done properly by the way why haven't they looked at the cctv footage already for her why are they why is the family having to campaign to look through the cctv footage it should be a basic thing to look through all all the footage of the area i think we all saw how many policemen were kind of all sent to search the woodlands to try to find Sarah and they couldn't even look at the CCTV footage for Blessing. Yeah. I mean, they said that... Um, they said that she... The coroner's report mentioned that it was drowning, but the body wasn't in water. The autox screen came negative. Um, the family was actually refused a private autopsy to sort of find out further information on what could have happened to her. So they sort of closed it without saying that it was murder without saying they just sort of ruled it as a drowning but um i mean some of the scientific facts don't exactly agree with that but i just thought it was crazy that they just wanted to do everything they could to close it as soon as possible and you know i hope that blessings family get the justice that they deserve and they need to be able to sort of know what happened to their child and to their family member i agree i I think it's honestly it's outrageous and people are um and i think so yesterday um there was a vigil that was supposed to be planned, a peaceful vigil for Sarah in Clapham Common, um, where she went initially went missing. Um, and so what happened was, I think they're called Reclaim These Streets, these organisers, mm. these female organisers of Reclaim These Streets. They, um, they literally just put out a poster within the same day for a peaceful vigil to mourn Sarah and mourn the victims of gender-based violence um, and to send a powerful message that as women, we should be able to freely walk these streets and not feel brave to have to walk these streets. Um, and within the same day, the Metropolitan Police were creeping on all these people's social media, sending them messages and um, trying to get, um, basically trying to shut the event down. Um which is really outrageous. I mean, if it's a peaceful vigil outside, they advertise social distancing and wearing masks, then we, like, as women, we should be able to mourn the loss of a life that was taken by a Metropolitan Police officer without threats from the Metropolitan Police. Yeah. Um, and so they they kind of cancelled the, the event, but everyone was like, no, we're still going to come because it's outrageous what's happened. So everyone still did come. 
um, and the vigil happened. And then later on, um, the police turned up when people were literally just standing there in silence. The police came up. Like, so I, I, I can't even describe how many police Honestly, officers there were. There were vans I saw the picture. Vans. There was loads. And, um, just for a peaceful, just for a peaceful, it wasn't even just a p- protest. It was a peaceful coming together of everyone to mourn somebody who, who basically died at the hands of a metropolitan police officer and again they were pushing people to the ground so it's like talking about gender-based violence but then also suffering gender-based violence at the end of the vigil as it is it's just not okay it's not okay i mean it's, it's really despicable um and crushing these women to the ground and like um someone said they had the police had literally trodden over oh all of the flowers that people had left for sarah um it's 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 really despicable to be honest um but it's kind of taken it's taken that for uh, i'm gonna say especially for um i mean i feel like for people of color people already made you know we already knew you know what the metropolitan police were like um but now it's kind of you know the white women that came to mourn they've now seen the reality of what people of color have had to deal with with the metropolitan police you know since it's the beginning of its existence um and now people are actually seeing that um and I hope people do come together and realise that the struggles are kind of interconnected, like police brutality, racism, sexism, like all those things are interconnected. Um, and even the figures within the metros and police, like how many police officers are domestic abusers? Um, how many women have died in custody? Um, you know, how many women have died whilst being in the supposed alleged protection of police officers? Um, all of those things are related. And... Um, Oh God! This Monday, um, Pretty Patel is trying to pass a emergency coronavirus bill um, to do with the police. Um, this Monday, and they're literally planning just to pass it through Parliament with, without really much discussion or kind of uh, anyone there to contest it. Um, and this emergency bill essentially um, it really criminalizes the freedom and right to assembly and protest and it deems any behavior as disruptive um, or any behavior that is an annoyance um the police can do what they what they want the police can arrest you the police can fine you the police can really do whatever they want to crush that dissent there and there um and that is obviously a huge breach on our civil liberties our human rights um and that's the bill that's going to be passed on on monday and that's a bill in response to the BLM protests, in response to the, you know, the climate change protests, the huge Extinction, Re- Extinction Rebellion protests in central London. Oh God, was that 2019? I feel like it's the summer of 2019. Mm. Um, and yeah, they're literally, all these issues are like, you know what, we can crush all the dissent for all of these if we just pass this bill, which is, it's really outrageous. I think where you're talking about, oh, you know, this is a free c- country, the whole point of a free country is the freedom of speech. You know, you should be able to go out onto the streets and vocalise injustices and things that you think are um, fundamentally not okay. And it just, it that bothers me because being, I mean, I've not gone to a lot of protests. I've only gone to possibly one or two with you, actually. And just to be there in the moment of everyone coming together for the same cause is actually such a beautiful thing. And to take that away is I think heinous to be honest because it's such a nice way for everyone to come together for the same cause to share the same viewpoints and you know I think it's a beautiful thing I agree um and also um you know I've been to some protests um where the police have really been 
um, disproportionate in their force and their reaction to our protest. And I think I told you this at the time because I was trying to report this police officer, this certain police officer. Um, this I'm trying to remember what year this was. It must have been 2018. Um, there was a protest in Syria, um, and you know I was there with just one friend from. Um, I was just there with one friend and um, we we were literally protesting. There was quite a few people there. But because the issue was something that the UK government had already solidified their response on, they had already decided at that point they were going to strike Syria and no kind of public um, the unrest, no kind of public disapproval of that action was going to get in their way. They just wanted to crush all kind of dissent to it. Um, so, I mean, there wasn't a lot of people there. I'm going to be honest. I would literally say around 100 people max. And um, I swear, like, 10 police vans came, followed by another 10 police vans. Police came with massive guns. These, like, black, um, black uniforms. I've never seen anything. I've never seen police like this in my life. Black helmet, black uniform, black, like, massive, massive machine guns. Um, I, I didn't even know they were police. They were just in this, you know, like, black war gear. Like, they were going to war. Um and there was no numbers to identify them. So if they did anything to hurt anyone, you couldn't identify who, which one it was. There was no body cams on them. And um, they literally came and all these police came and they were pushing us, like pushing um, old women, um, old men like to the ground. I, I remember one of them literally pulled my hair oh. and pushed me to the ground. He like he pulled my hair to get me out of um, basically out of the, the front of Downing Street, pulled my hair and then... Um, Literally, I got both of his hands and pushed me to the ground. And I was like, why are you pushing me to the ground? This is the, like, we have the right to peacefully protest. It was a peaceful protest. Um, and also what's really outrageous is, um, and I did try to report him, but uh, yeah, no response. Um, and what's really outrageous as well, and I read they, they did this yesterday, is they shut off all 4G. And I, I've noticed this when I've been to protests before. And I honestly, because I have a really bad phone connection, as Janvi knows. I know. Uh, I, yes. I, I just thought it was my really bad phone connection. But they actually cut off 4G. I mean, that's just... Out- Especially when we're paying for it. But it's just like... It's outrageous. They're actually disconnecting our ways to contact for help. Our ways to... Do you know what I mean? I can't Ugh. believe they have the power to do that. Ugh. Yeah, and I think also... Um, we wanted to kind of speak about our own experiences because the story of Sarah Everard opened this huge can of worms into um, the daily female experience and what women have to go through on a daily basis. And I'm not going to lie. I think me and Jamie can both agree on this. It was something we had kind of like normalized and internalized, like yeah. having to text each other when we get home. And cause me and Jamie do that all the time when we go out. Um, and um, even like if, Let's say I'm running down, like I'm going to an alleyway. I'll literally run down it just so I get down there quicker. Uh, and that was just something I kind of normalised because I don't want to be walking slowly and someone creeps up behind me. I'll just run down the alleyway. Um, and, you know, things like that we we had normalised. Um, and, yeah, I think we were just going to speak on a few of our own experiences. Um, so, yeah, just a trigger warning for anyone listening. Um, do you want to go first, Jams? Oh, yes, I'll go first. Um, so I'm, I mentioned the other story before in a previous podcast. I won't really go through it again. It was just, um, I think what really resonates with me is I'm going out with my friends and I'm trying to have a good time. Maybe I'll have a beverage or two, you know, and then 
it'll make me feel sort of like I'm trying to like unwind with my friends, have fun. There's no ulterior motive. You have that it's right. Just, yeah, you have yeah, that right. Just after work, whatever. But there's always something in the back of my mind since that incident where the guy was just, he was just very forceful and he was just, it was just very inappropriate being around his behaviour and he was giving my friend alcohol, like pumping up alcohol. Since that incident, I've always just been like, I have to be really careful who I'm with. I have to be really careful of how much alcohol I, you know, ingest. And obviously, like, it's okay if I want to go all the way, if I just want to have a couple of drinks, it's whatever, I'm allowed to do what I want to do. But it's just fundamentally feeling unsafe to be free out in public. It's just not something that's okay. And um, sort of another incident that happened was I was leaving a friend's house and I was walking home. And uh, usually what I do is I'll text my mum just saying, hey, I've left so-and-so's house. Um, I, sh- I should be this amount of time home. Um, so I'm walking down that road and it's quite a dark road. I don't remember any. Uh, street lights it was like 1 2 a.m and I was walking down the road and um, I just suddenly can sort of tell that there's someone behind me and just in the instinct I crossed the road so I've crossed the road and then I've noticed this man has also crossed the road as well so I've crossed the road again and noticed that he's crossed the road as well again so I start to walk really really fast almost like I'm running and he does the same so then I walked really really slowly and then he starts to slow down as well and then I crossed the road again and he did the same thing again and then on my phone I'm literally panicking I'm trying to call all my family to see if anyone picks up nobody picks up and I'm thinking holy crap this person's really near me now this something bad's gonna happen and then luckily I uh, my dad picked up and I just spoke to my dad and then um, the guy, I literally just legged it and then I turned around and I couldn't see the guy anymore. I think he must have gone into one of the houses just to hide or something. Um, and it was just so scary because it was a very close call and I don't know what would have happened. And it's just not fair having that sort of um, doubt in my mind, like, you know, unsafety, like doubt something's going to happen, um, what's going to happen. It's literally and... 24-7 fearing for our lives. Exactly. And it's just like, I posed this question actually to my dad and my brother actually um yesterday the day before yesterday I was like when you were like a teenager when you were younger and you were um going you know coming home from friends' house back to come home did you ever like text your friends like oh hey I'm home or did you ever text your parents like oh I'm on the way home did you ever do any of that and they're like why would I do that and I was like okay and my brother like sometimes I'll text my friends that I've got home but it's not really like a big deal most of the time I didn't but they didn't feel like they had to do that. And I've, I just looked and I was shocked because every single time I've left anywhere, I've texted my mum that I'm coming home or in the family group chat or I've texted my friend that I've arrived home. It's just kind of crazy because once I forgot to text my friend to say, hey, I've made it home and I just jumped in the shower um, doing my skincare, whatever. And then she, I looked at my phone and I could see that she's called me so many times. She tried to text me. She was having literally a freak out because I didn't text her that I had got home. And I was just thinking why is that such a normal thing? Do you know what I mean? Like, why have we ingrained in our society that we have to text when we get home to our friends or we have to tell our parents that we're coming home or anything like that? We They should know and have that peace of mind that they're safe. And that's why since I walked that incident with walking home um, and that happened, every single time I've left this friend's house or any friend's house, my mum calls me straight away and wants to talk to me literally the whole way home because she's afraid something like that will happen again. And I just think, why is that normal? Um, sorry, to you now, Farah. No, no, I agree with you. And I think we've mm-hmm. we've done that since like the beginning of our friendship. Like when we go out, we we just check to if we are okay. When exactly. We get home. Yes. There's never not been a time where we've te- checked if the other person has got home okay. It's just the and that's just something thing. we we kind of normalised. Like we're just like, oh, let's just make. Yeah. So I mean, like it's it's not it came, you know, host- like second nature. Exactly. Us, um, and if your really friend wrong, does- essentially. 
exactly and if your friend doesn't text you within like two seconds you sort of had like a mental freak out oh, you're yeah. like oh is she okay I, I she get home okay quite a few messages <laughs> <reply>. yes <laughs> question mark question mark question mark <laughs> <laughs> no but we we have to be like that and it was essentially you know um because of that people reported sarah missing because she didn't respond to texts and because she didn't respond to um did you get home okay and all those messages as well and that's how they were able to immediately say like they know the time when she was last in contact with someone um and i feel like i mean i i'm just going to talk to people who are kind of more active on instagram there was a video that went viral in december of that school girl and i remember you oh. me and you were speaking about it as well jam so i know you you know yeah. the video i'm talking about um she was literally just trying to walk to school we can't walk home we can't walk to school as a school girl she was literally about nine she um, was very young and she this girl was um I, I mean obviously we don't know names and stuff because she was a minor um but this i swear she was like 10 or 9 um and this school girl was literally just on her way to school and obviously because of lockdown streets are emptier um and she was on her way to school and um this guy came up behind her put his hand uh, over her mouth and then tried to drag her into a certain alleyway which is a bit of a walk away from the initial point he tried to kidnap her from so he was walking and he was essentially like dragging her and putting his hand over her mouth and another schoolgirl who who witnessed this like witnessed the dragging and hand over the mouth found it very like scary so this girl called her sister and her mother and told her sister and mother what happened she goes i think something's wrong the sister and mother came to the location you know the girl said she last saw the kidnapper and the, the innocent schoolgirl. um and if it wasn't for the sister and the mother like tracking him tracking him down and finding where they went god knows what would have happened to this girl and this really brave woman the sister of the schoolgirl who called her this really brave woman i mean i think she's literally in her 20s she literally was following him and I'm not going to lie, like, it was pretty, it was terrifying. I was terrified just watching yeah. this video. She literally was following him. She goes, sorry, do you know her? And then she was literally saying to the girl, do you know him? Do you know him? Do you know him? And she kept following them. She didn't, like, just give up. And he was trying to pretend, like, she, oh, it's, it's man's family. It's my family. It's my family. Um, and she obviously knew that was a lie. And she kept following. And then essentially the, she, the woman got the girl. And the girl was just saying, thank you, thank you so much. And it ended up that this guy actually, like, assaulted and raped this little girl and he tried to do it again around another corner and god knows like what, what would have happened if that what if that you know the other school girl did not call her sister and mother if that girl did not if you know the sister of that girl didn't follow them and see what was happening um but yeah like girls can't even walk to school in this country um let alone walk home um which is really terrifying and just kind of like um a few of my own experiences like very briefly um and it's and again, it's literally taken me um, up until this week. Oh, someone's at my door. Can you hear that? Nope. Oh, no worries, no worries. Um, <laughs> my mom will get it. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, so when I was in school, so I was attending a school assembly. I must have been like eleven or twelve, um, and I know I was in year seven, um, and that you know we were being warned in an assembly that there was a man exposing himself to girls. Um, girls from my school at our local bus stops and assaulting them and we were literally told girls walking groups roll down your skirts and you know shout fire you know if if you if you shout help and no one comes shout fire shout fire because you know i mean there's nothing you know there's nothing alarming to the general public more than a fire instead of you know a young girl shouting help um 
which was pretty I think that really speaks for itself um and even like um I mean the thing with me is I've taken some of those experiences and I kind of like joke about them but at the time I was really scared and I was really terrified I remember just once at a bus stop this was like a few weeks after this assembly I was at a bus stop and this man slowly walked up and he was wearing like a really long jacket and we weren't even risking it we all ran we literally all ran for our lives um but I think I just demonstrates like even we were trying to get home from school the there are men they're essentially being violent because this man was assaulting girls as well um and other stories that I've kind of made a joke I mean Jam you'll know this story you know when I was held hostage in a toilet oh, yes. my number um but, I mean I was 17 at that time and this guy was like I mean Jamie, you've seen him he was like we, 40 we did confront him again remember when we saw yeah, him a few years later yeah we did confront this guy again <laughs> um but it was to, at the time so I was at this restaurant when I was 17 and I was just trying to eat my food and um this guy this waiter who was waiting our table um he kept coming to our table kept trying to replace the ketchup and then kept trying to ask us um you know personal questions oh are you single are you, do you live alone I mean what kind of question is that to ask someone you don't know um and asking me all these questions and the friend I was with was like can we just eat our meal please um and then you know I went to the toilet and um I obviously I brought my phone with me and I brought whatever it might have been a long mirror I wanted to take a selfie um I went in and he literally followed me in he closed the door behind him locked it put his hand on the handle and said oh I really like you can I have your number I mean what is that honestly what is that <sighs> um and you know after this whole after that whole thing happened like I did report it to the manager and the manager called us liars um I was that like, well, if you look much. at the CCTV, you can literally see him following a woman into the toilets. Like, if you just look at your CCTV, um, and yeah, I mean, I'm, me and Jamie saw him like a year later. Um, no apologies, by the way. He yeah, didn't apologize. I, li- just... I literally, I literally just said, like, um, are you still holding girls hostage in toilets for their numbers? Um, and he literally just, I mean, I think he said, like, I'm a married man now. I don't. I do don't that do anymore. that. Yeah. That's exactly what he said. Yeah, uh, we, we both remember it. It's just like, oh, when you told me that, I sort of like, we sort of laughed it off at, at first, but then when you really look into it, and sort of this situation highlights everything that you've gone through in the past to realise actually that's not okay. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it just it's just too much. Uh, yeah, and another story that I just wanted to briefly mention, this is because it kind of involves the Metropolitan Police and this is like a really important discussion to have because obviously um, gender-based violence isn't an isolated issue. Um, so so when I was like 18, um, a middle-aged man started to stalk me. Um, he would follow me home. He would follow me to the hairdressers. Um, he would like constantly be filming me on his phone um and like he would creep up behind me and the thing that was really scary was like once I was at the hairdressers with my mom and um she literally went to the toilet for three minutes that's when he came in he stood behind me he started saying disgusting things like behind me and filming me and then and then went back outside and I was and I was like what the hell but he did it in a way that you know he wore a cap he wore a hat like he was pretty like it didn't really alarm anyone else apart from me who heard it and obviously he stood behind me um Anyway, I took a picture of him and I told my mum when she came out of the toilet and um, my mum was like, okay, let's just go to the police station. So we literally directly from the hairdressers, we walked to the police station there and then we reported it. Um, and the police were like pretty much useless, to be honest. They literally said, oh, well, we can't actually do something, you know, until he physically does something. You know, we'll try and investigate it for now. 
Um, but yeah, we can't really do something until he physically does something. Um, I think that just highlights a really kind of um, useless stalking legislation in this country that doesn't protect victims of stalking. Um, and all the police gave me was a faulty rape alarm. I think you remember this rape alarm. I Do you remember, remember it? it was a yellow yeah. mouse. Yeah, I remember that. And it was literally, it would go off all the time. It was a faulty rape alarm. That's literally all they gave me. And they told me they were investigating, but they didn't, they didn't even bother. Um, they could have literally just looked at the CCTV, see where he went and see where he, because it was quite local to where I lived. And he could have, they could have known, like, do you know what I mean? Um, and at that time, like, we told my neighbours at the time in case they see him because obviously he knew where I lived and he's been stalking me near my house um, so we told my neighbours and my neighbours like actually posted it everywhere online we posted it on our local like you know Facebook community groups you know where people usually complain about oh they've not taken out the bins this week um, and we posted it in those groups and we posted it like um, they actually made posters and stuck the posters up and if they had more information to call this police line um, and then eventually, like, and only because of the actions of my neighbours, we actually found out where he lived. Um, so I phoned up the police and I told him, I told the police, like, this is where he lives. Like, can you go, like, deal with it? Because this is scary. Like, I, I had severe anxiety, like, going out of the house. I had severe anxiety, like, even being at home alone because I, he knew where I lived. Um, and it was honestly, it was terrifying. And, like, I stopped myself going out several times and... Um, if you know if I, I didn't want to be home alone so I'll just have to go out with my with my family if they were doing stuff you know with their friends or whatever like I would even go out them because I didn't want to be home alone like I do I mean it's one thing to not feel safe going outside it's another but thing in to your also own not home. feel safe in your own home exactly um and then eventually the police um we had to chase them up and the police gave him a caution and uh, I got a restraining order against him um the Met Police were so the Metropolitan Police were supposed to find out who he was, and they missed how this stalker was living six houses away from me. The police gave me a home visit. They literally missed how he lived six houses away. Like it's honestly outrageous. And if anything would have happened, it would have purely been because of the Metropolitan Police's failure to investigate, failure to act. And just about like just failure of the Metropolitan Police existing. They're not even doing their basic job in protecting people. Um, and yeah, that was just another story I wanted to share. Do you have um, any more stories? I do have, um, I actually have a couple, um, but one is not mine. It's one that I saw when I was on Instagram. So I'll leave that one to after. And because that does involve the police. But um, one story that I wanted to talk about actually sort of involves you, Farah, because I called you. Um, I went out to a nightclub with my friend. Um, we went there, blah, blah, She saw somebody that took her fancy. So she spent all the night with him. And it was just me alone, basically. And um, it was just so awkward. And then she goes off with this particular guy. And I'm left standing with all of his friends. And it just, it was just actually physically scary because I felt like they were, like, backing me into a corner. I didn't know what to do. Um and she just went missing. She went away. And I remember running out because one of them almost touched me inappropriately and grabbed me. So I ran out and I called my friend, which was you. <laughs> I called you. Do you remember I was crying? Like, yeah, I didn't know. I, I didn't I know what, it was like 2, 3 a.m. and I was crying. I didn't know what to do. And you were just like, just get home. But I felt bad because I didn't want my friend to be sort of left alone. And that's the sort of loyalty that I have, which she didn't have, but whatever. 
um to the point where I just was like I have to wait to see her then I can go home and luckily I did find her and I just said listen this is it for me I need to go home so I went home even after all that I texted her to make sure that she was home safe even though she didn't text me and she did get home safe I got home safe so that's great but it just sort of shows like even when you're going out in like if you go out in twos that's fine but sometimes your friend goes off you can just sort of feel the alarm bells in your head and you become sort of like prey for people sometimes yeah and that's sort of like that always reminds me that's why every time I go out if I well this is pre-covid every time I used to go out to like pubs or clubs or whatever I'd always take my one friend with me um shout out to Asha because she we never leave each other's side we always like are stuck together and we just go everywhere because I feel like I can never go out again and that happened to me again because um obviously I'm not friends with that girl anymore but still that sort of reminded me of um situations where I felt unsafe um the next one that I want to talk about, I was actually, again, scrolling through Instagram and this came up on my Explore page or I think somebody else um, reposted it. Um, it's of a girl. She said that once she was at a um, club in 2016, um, so sh- she mentioned that a PC, she said the person's name, PC played and pushed her head away with his boot while she was on the floor Um she was wearing a backless dress with heels and as she was pu- pushed forcefully multiple times, nearly hit her, hit, she was nearly hit in the face and then dragged and smashed in the face by the police officer. Um, and then she was actually arrested for assaulting a police officer. And then she mentioned a friend of hers was literally thrown in the air by a different male security guard a mere two minutes prior. Um, she had to go to court to face the charges that she was, uh, she said that she was arrested for um, arrest, uh, assaulting a police officer. Um, she was lucky enough to win the case and at the final hearing three magistrates all women directly after reading out my hearing that I was not guilty said to her perhaps it's best to not go clubbing in the location again and I just thought that was really shocking because I thought that they're blaming an 18 year old girl instead of the 50 something year old police officer that was actually was on her restraining her for no reason even though she did nothing and then she was forced to be in a cell for 20 hours when she literally did nothing and there is actually security footage of it as well and she mentions that she has footage of the security guard pushing her friend well throwing her friend as well and I just think that's so shocking that's police officer honestly and she was arrested for assaulting oh just really gets me it just shocks me it's outrageous honestly it's outrageous Um, and to be told by another woman yeah best not to go to that location again best not to do that again and that's the sort of victim blaming mental like mentality that I don't like like don't wear that you know you're too short too low cut whatever I just hate that we're supposed to be other women I really hate that yeah it's our bodies let us wear what we want and it's just like when everything with Sarah started coming out a lot of the people were like well why didn't she do this why didn't she do that why should she have to do that? She thought she was walking home. I just don't understand why people want to put the blame on victims. Why? Why victim blame when they obviously have suffered something so traumatic? And that's the one thing that I always irritate me is the first reaction is to sort of blame the person who this has happened to rather than actually pray for them. I also think that sometimes, like, I mean, it's usually men who are doing the victim blaming. Um, and it's easier for them to blame the woman instead of blaming a system that they benefit from do you know what I mean like yeah it's, it's easier for them just to be like oh well she shouldn't have been out at this time she should have been walking alone and not with someone she shouldn't have been wearing that or whatever whatever um when ultimately it has nothing to do with a woman merely existing do you know what I mean like it doesn't matter if she's existing at 9 p.m if she's existing in a skirt like it literally has nothing to do with her 
um if anything happens to her um oh my god I literally just reminded myself um uh, of a story uh, I don't know if I told you about this Janvi but this was like maybe a year ago it was pre-covid um so I was walking home one day um from work and um it was literally only like 6 p.m but because it, you know it was winter it gets darker early it's actually pitch black at six um and I was walking home and there's a there's um there's a bridge you know the bridge I'm talking about yeah um and I was literally about to walk up this bridge and you know when you can just tell someone's really staring at you I, I was walking head first and I could tell someone was staring at me and it was my local area I was like maybe it's someone I know like so I just looked and I didn't know him and I literally looked for a split second he this weird man he literally took out his cigarette from his mouth he put it on the ground and like stood on it and still staring at me not even seeing if he was standing in the right place like to put out the cigarette he was staring at me and then um he just started running he just started running towards me and i've never felt fear like it in my life and it's still something that really makes me scared now like if i go over that bridge like i'm I'm, like if it's dark i won't go over that bridge because this bridge is very steep and i was also wearing boots so like I was really scared of falling over. Um, so I was actually running for my life up this bridge. Um, and then it got I got to the bottom of the bridge. I was like, I just have to take off my shoes. So I literally just took off my shoes and belted it to the end of the road. I had to run past my house because I didn't want him to know where I lived. I didn't even know if I had my keys on me um, to even get in. Um, so I was actually running for my life. And because it's my local area, thank God, and it's not just, you know, an area I don't know, I was able to run. I, I was able to hide in um, someone's drive. Um, so I was hiding in someone's drive and I was like praying the lights didn't come on in case they had automatic lights. I was praying like something didn't come out and be like, what the hell are you doing? Well, I actually would have said, like, can you just let me come in your house as a widow? Um yeah, and this man was just chasing me. And it was honestly, the, like, it was, t- to be honest, it was terrifying. I think that's one of the times in my life where I've been the most terrified. Um, and then I literally was perched up in this drive in a really uncomfortable position for about half an hour. And I was like, okay, he must have, you know, he must have given up by now. Um, so I, I was literally texting my mum. And I was like, mum, like, when, when I come back, like, um, like just let me straight in. Um, my mum must have been in the shower. I think she was in the shower. So she didn't get my text. So I was literally coming home. I literally got my boots and I, was, I thought he had gone. And then I was trying to find my keys and I was trying to find my keys in my bag. And I saw like a shadow, literally like a, a black shadow over me, like a black silhouette. Um, and I, I screamed for my life and it was my brother. Oh, my God. But it's just like the fear and the worry. And my brother's like, why the hell are you screaming? And then I literally had to tell him. Thank God. My, and then my brother's like, why are you not wearing shoes? Oh, my god! I just had to explain the situation because... I mean, in that situation, it's terrifying. And that's merely just happening because I'm a woman trying to go home. Do you know what I mean? Um, honestly, I found that I even even speaking about it, I get like, it literally gives me chills, mate. It was so terrifying. I've never been so scared for my life in my life. Um, but those situations, like we've we've really normalized and internalized. Um, and like, but even I feel like sometimes, I mean, I've said, you know, once I was walking and like weird guys say weird things and I was telling this this older woman about it and she goes, oh, well, it's a compliment. It's a compliment. Sexual harassment is not a compliment. No, it's not. Do you know what I mean? Like, and if you want to flirt or whatever, it needs to be on the basis of it's mutual and the girl partakes. If the girl does not partake, then she'll Move on. Up. Yeah, exactly. And I'm really like, I've, and now I, I think I've told you about this, but like I've been on, now this is two days with two different guys and they think it's acceptable. Like I know some girls like, for them, it's not a big deal to, like kiss on the first day and that's totally up to them no judgment but like for me personally I don't I, I want to make clear boundaries I don't want to kiss on the first day um especially when I really don't know the person and um 
like they'll slyly like put your your hand like their arm around you and then they'll literally put their hand at the back of your head and like push it towards them so they can kiss you and you can't pull away and i think that's that's literally sexual harassment that's crazy and that's sexual assault as well um and to think that's and i've literally said that's not okay like why would you think that's okay to like push my head so i can't back away so i have no choice do i mean that's not okay it's also polite to just ask before you do anything like can i kiss you just so you exactly. establish boundaries. And I actually did make it clear. I was like, I don't kiss on first date. Sorry, I actually did make that clear. So the fact that to, he still did that, knowing that you didn't even that you weren't That's comfortable with that it. anyway. That's why he did wow. it. Like, oh, I'll just see, she'll she'll just be okay with it if I just force wow. to do it one time. I like, can't... I just it, it's honestly it's despicable. It's it's really outrageous. It's um it's just violating as well. Like I felt really violated after both of those times, um and it's just behavior that's just not not okay um but even in that kind of setting as well um sexual harassment happens sexual assault happens like it happens in kind of every kind of aspect imaginable like even um and i saw uh, a few like powerful placards yesterday at the the sarah everard vigil in clapham common um like people were saying like we're not safe walking home and we're not even safe in our homes and that's obviously referring to like domestic violence and the violence women um experience at home in a place where you know everyone should feel safer in their own home um and that was obviously making reference to to that as well um i think we're gonna go through some stats do you want to go through yours first yep let me just get them up okay so these are some stats that i found online obviously everything we mentioned we'll link in our link tree um document for this episode um so a few things that I found interesting were um, calls to helplines have increased in some countries as rates of reported intimate partner violence increased because of the pandemic. It's kind of crazy, like, obviously, with everything happening with isolation, you can't sort of move everywhere if it's a lockdown in that country. And the fact that you have to stay inside a home where you're dealing with that sort of domestic violence, it just not even just domestic, it could be verbal, physical, emotional abuse, any sort of that is not OK in your own home. Um 137 women are killed by a member of the family every day. It is estimated that of the 87,000 women who were killed in 2017 globally, more than half were killed by intimate partner or family members, which is kind of crazy. Um, Less than 40% of the women who experience violence seek help in any sort, which is which honestly it may be that they're too afraid to um, report it or they just they fear for their life to take it further um, adult women account for nearly half so 49 percent of human trafficking victims detected globally um, at least 200 million women have and girls aged 15 to 49 have undergone fgm so female genital mutilation um, which we did mention in the previous um, podcast episode um, and the next is across five regions, 82% of women parliamentarians, parliamentarians, I'm going to go yeah, with that, parliamentarians. reported having experienced some sort of psychological violence while serving their terms, which is obviously not OK, because there's not even enough women in um, these sort of high profile positions in governments and parliaments. And the fact that they have to go through that sort of um, experience, like I know from AOC I think someone called her a snowflake or something like that which is so derogatory but um honestly they just want to do the same thing they just want to serve their time they want to help people um 82 percent of all juvenile victims are female 90 percent of adult rape victims are female um 
definitely have a look. So 94% of women who are raped experience symptoms of uh, PTSD, so post-traumatic stress disorder, during the two weeks following the rape, which not only does that actually have to happen to them, but they have to take the mental scars with them throughout the rest of their life or throughout however you know long it takes for them to sort. I don't believe it is something that you fully get over, but uh, as it, at least to my knowledge, it's not something that you fully get over, but it's something that you sort of hold on to. And um, I believe it probably takes a lot of therapy to sort of work through all of that. Um, and 44% of lesbians and 61% of bisexual women experience rape, physical violence and stalking by an intimate partner. Um, the 2015 US transgender survey found that 47% of transgender people are sexually assaulted at some point in their lifetime, which honestly, that was just shocking to find out. And the last one that I have um, is females aged 16 to 19 are four times more likely than the general population to be victims of rape, attempted rape or sexual assault. Um, women ages 18 to 24 who are college students are three times more likely than women in general to experience sexual violence and this is just um, of such a young age when you're trying to just get education um, like we've seen many situations I can't remember what his name was Farry you know that um, man who assaulted that woman and uh, he was part of the swimming team or something it was in America I don't remember. Um, but he assaulted this woman and a lot of the people made excuses for him. I'll link it in the link tree for further information about what I'm talking about. But it's just like she's just trying to, um, you know, get her education and it's OK for her to go to a party. That shouldn't be a problem that she wants to go and let loose um, as, you know, everyone has the right to let loose in whatever capacity they want to. Um, yeah, that's what I've got. Um, I also have a few stats as well. Um, some of these stats um, we did mention in the International Women's Day protest, protest <laughs> in the International Women's Day um, podcast, um, because at that time we obviously wanted to mention those statistics because um, we obviously felt Women's Day isn't really a day of celebration yet, as it should be. Um, for me personally, like I just feel like I can wholeheartedly celebrate that day once I know, um, you know, all women are treated equally and fairly to men um, and women aren't dying because they're female or aren't being raped or sexually assaulted or, you know, the main um, gender involved in sex trafficking and so on and so forth. Um, so some of these statistics, uh, one that went very viral this week on social media was that 97% of women in the UK have experienced sexual harassment Um that's literally all women in the UK. That's literally all women. And there was like a hashtag of um, of men saying, oh, hashtag not all men. Of course, like in a time where we're talking about the female daily experience, they, they want to take this opportunity to kind of dismiss the facts. And the fact is 97%. Okay, if it's, if it's not all men, but it's literally all women. Um, so yeah, another statistic is one in three women experience rape in their lifetimes. Um, over 5,000 women in girls are murdered every year in honor killings um 71 percent of all human trafficking involves women and girls mainly for sexual exploitation women and girls suffer the most during violent conflict due to inequality and discrimination they are more at risk of sexual violence exploitation trafficking during war um, and one in five female refugees and internally displaced people have experienced sexual violence in countries affected by conflict um also, women make up less than 30% of police officers in England and Wales, 
um, again, connecting the struggles. Um, one in four women experience sexual harassment in the workplace. Um, 58% of all women murdered in 2017 in the UK. Um, they were all killed by an intimate partner or a family member. Um, and this is now research from the femicide consensus, which I would recommend you um, research and look up. Um, but in the past decade in the UK, in the past decade, out of all murders, nine out of 10 of the murderers were male. Um, and more than 70% of female victims of murder in the past decade in the UK were murdered in their own home. Um, and also in the past year, just in the past year alone in the UK, so in lockdown as well, um, 144,000 women were the victims of rape or attempted rape, and only 55,000 were reported, and only 1,439 people were actually convicted of rape. Wow. Um, and I think that speaks a lot. And, you know, I've, you know, I watch a few like documentaries and a few programs and they literally say like one of the hardest crimes to convict someone of is of rape and sexual assault because um, it becomes a matter of if there's not DNA evidence, which in many cases there isn't, um, it becomes a matter of he said, she said, or, you know, if there is DNA evidence, it was consensual or do you know what I mean? Um, so it's just something that is very hard to convict under current legislation and also under current mindset. Um, I'm getting really tired of seeing rape victims and the ordeal they've had to go through um, have to justify what they are wearing, have to justify where they were, have to justify what time they were out, um, you know, uh, you know, as a means to, you know, not convict a rapist. Um, yeah, so there's serious things that need to be changed, serious things that need to be, to be honest, the whole system needs changing. That's why this podcast is called Revolution <laughs> now. Um yeah, I think another story, um, oh, just one more thing I wanted to mention, because I feel like, oh my god, um, so when I was younger, um, so basically, me and Javi are both based in South London, um, so this is why what happened to Sarah Everard is like really weighing down on us, because it's literally our area as well, um, but when I was when I was younger, we always used to, when I was in school, I'm trying to think how old, I must have been like eight or nine, every single week, we would always do PE, we'd always do our sports lesson in, um, like, in this massive green park away from our school. And then one week, we suddenly stopped going to this park. And all the, we were really upset because our playground was really small, and we're like, oh, why can't we go to the park? Teachers wouldn't give us a reason, they wouldn't tell us. And obviously, when I was older, I realised it was because... Um, the murderer Levi Bell who killed Millie Dowler and killed mm. other women as well um because he killed someone in that park and that's why it was a woman in that park um and I think cases like that and even the case of Levi Bell like he was he was he was verbally sexually assaulting women before he killed women and if he was called out and called upon do you know what I mean if that behavior was dealt with at that time it could have saved the lives of other women and it's often um, a sequence of events that leads up to, obviously not in every case, but in most, um, that leads to, you know, the violence against women. So there is opportunities to stop it in its tracks. Um, but again, the Met Police fail on that. Um, so I think we wanted to also touch on something that, um, is, I mean, it isn't really related, but it's something current this week. But I feel it's related in the terms of how women are portrayed, especially women of colour in the media. Um, we want to talk about um, Meghan Markle. Um, 
So on Monday, on International Women's Day, um, a interview came out with Meghan Markle and Prince Harry um, on the Oprah Winfrey show. Or Oprah Winfrey was just um, hosting it, I don't know. But um, did you watch the interview, Jan? I did, I did. I did too, I did too. Um, I saw the media's outrage. I mean, I watched it like a day after it came out or two days after it came out. Because I saw the media's response, I'm like, right, I'm going to have to watch it because there's something not right. Um, and as I was watching it, like, so she's literally talking about how she experienced racism, not only from the media, but within the royal family itself, which we all know is a fact. The royal, the royal family are, you know, they're a family of colonial empire. They're a family of pure white bloodline. Of course, they're racist. Um, and, I, you know, yesterday I saw a video. Sorry to digress. That's <laughs> OK. I saw a video of the Queen, Charles and Philip all laughing because the Queen said, oh, my God, I saw a gorilla today. And obviously she was making a racist comment. And that's what she meant. And she literally said that and they all laughed. So obviously wow. racism is really something. And this was like footage I've never seen before. And it was really, really outrageous. Um, and... Yeah, obviously the media is like, oh, um, the, the royal family aren't racist. It's casual racism. It's okay if it's casual racism. You know, wow. it's just an intergenerational thing to ask how dark the baby's gonna be. No, it's not. Uh, no, it's not. Who who asks questions like that? I really, I I don't know who who asks. Like, it's just it's so. It's honestly, it's horrific. To be honest, it's horrific. Um, and they're talking about how this this kind of um, tabloids and the media have these. Um, annual parties and get-togethers at Buckingham Palace and they're kind of like hand in hand these two institutions um but yeah what did you do you want to add anything about oh, like what <laughs> I thought when I was watching it the thing that sort of um hurt the most for me was when she was mentioning that I think at, I believe at the time she was pregnant with her first child obviously she's pregnant again now but yeah. with her first child um they were she was basically feeling suicidal and she wanted to she wanted to get help and she just didn't think she thought that breathing was causing an issue so she didn't want to do it anymore so she sort of asked for help and she reached out and to like I think I don't know if it was a palace staff or a, I don't know and they basically just I thought I thought you said that she reached out to Palestine then but I was like <laughs> no you meant palace staff okay. I mean I did no I'm just kidding um no but yeah we're she, here for you Megs we're yeah here. we're here we're here well, you are. You're Palestinian. <laughs> I'm just here as an ally. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but so she basically reached out to Palace staff. I'm okay, got sure. it, got it. <laughs> I'm not sure if it actually was or if it was somebody else. And they just basically turned her down and basically just said, I'll oh, think how it would look on the, pal- uh, you know, royals or palace. I Something along those lines. I'm just thinking somebody is in a crisis. You need to get them help. And it just is so crazy how this sort of mirrors what happened to Diana at the time and how everyone sort of vilified her as well. And obviously this being a little bit different because there's the racist element towards Megan as well. But it's just sort of crazy. I couldn't imagine going through a crisis and having nobody to turn to. And um, it's just, she was very isolated, like as a part of the royal family or as, you know, she married into that. Exactly. Exactly. So there's this element of secrecy and you have to be careful who you talk to and whatever but they weren't even helping her and I'm just thinking it could have ended up so differently um which I'm glad that it didn't I'm so happy that she's here she's pregnant with her second child I'm hoping that she works through the emotional um scars that this 
probably did cause her and um it's just uh, it just really irritated me and the, the thing is right when they're saying oh i wonder how dark the baby is going to be the only thing you should be worrying about is if the baby comes out healthy that's the exactly. only thing that's the only thing you need to worry about it doesn't matter what the gender is it doesn't matter anything it just matters that they come out healthy and that's it the color whatever yes. it just uh, just annoyed me because some people honestly uh, irritated me Honestly. No, it irritates me as well. Why um, would why would you think that's an okay comment? And uh, it just shows that are they not used to being around people who aren't white? Are they not used to being around um, different ethnicities? Because that's that is not a good decorum for the royals. Like you can't just say that. Yeah, but it feels like it's just something that's kind of second nature to them. I think mm. they all just are fundamentally racist and discriminatory. And um, but also at the same time, um, when I did watch that interview, okay, I'm just going to be really honest. Um, I really don't think the monarchy should exist. I really think at this in this day and age, like it should be abolished and turn Buckingham Palace into social housing. Um, but like when it comes to Harry and Meghan, and more on the basis of um, Meghan in particular, because Harry, people forget, you know, has been racist in the past and hasn't really, um, you know, been held accountable for racist things he's done in the past. I mean, he said racist terms. I'm not going to repeat. Um, and he i mean there's a there's a video or a picture of him i saw it yesterday of him with a swastika on his arm pretending to be a nazi um you know he's 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 done racist things in the past as well um so until he takes accountability and um apologizes for those actions then um i can't really say you know he's being proactively anti-racist when he's defending megan um but the thing that gets me as well, um, God, is the fact that like a lot of people were kind of overlooking the situation. Um, and I know I saw. I mean, I follow a few like meme pages, if you will, um, and clearly these meme pages are owned by men. Um, but these pages, are like, oh my God, Prince Harry's whipped. Prince Harry's so whipped, and blah blah. You know, having basic decency in a relationship and respecting your partner, and um, you know trying to protect your partner even if that does mean exiting or um you know leaving a very toxic family environment isn't being whipped um it's it's the basic part to play in a relationship um so that was just something i always touch on as well that a lot of men think that harry's being quote-unquote whipped um by defending his wife um and you know leaving to america and um yeah, I just found that really outrageous that men think that's Honestly. behavior and don't think. I think that's the bare minimum. Even though, regardless of if it happened to um, your partner, if it happened to a friend, you should think that to be an issue. It doesn't matter. If you see it in justice because of somebody's skin color, you see it in your friend, even if you see it as somebody that you don't know that you're not even married to, it's still a problem. It doesn't matter. You don't have to be whipped to care about people's feelings, to care about basic human decency, which is treat everyone the same. Exactly. Um, and I think even the thing that kind of took more attention away from it when Megan kind of posed these really important questions on mental health, on um, the way in which women should be treated in a relationship um, and, you know, uh, kind of, you know, a woman dealing with toxic in-laws, essentially. Um, what took attention away from all of it was bloody Piers, Piers Morgan. Morgan. Oh, prick. <sighs> I'm glad we can swear on this podcast now. Um, just what a prick, mate. I, I can't. Uh, God, he's just such a prick. I really despise him. He was Morgan. just, he was just obviously salty. So with everything that came out with him, obviously being, <laughs> oh, with, very salty. With obviously coming out 
with everything that he was saying about Megan on was it Good Morning Britain or whatever, and then GMB, GMB, B, Big B, and um, <laughs> and basically then a recent clip, well not recent, sorry, a previous clip from a few years ago of him talking about Megan resurfaced when people were like, why is he so salty about this whole situation? And then it came out that basically he, I think he was at a bar with Megan or whatever. They were having some drinks or whatever. She then got into a taxi or a cab, whatever, and then went to go and apparently meet Prince Harry or whatever. And he just got salty because she never replied to any of his messages and whatever. By the way, I just thought he was a single man being salty. But then Farrell's like, no, he's married. And I was like, what? I just thought he was being salty because he got turned down after a date. But he's actually married, so why is he so concerned? If he wanted to be friends with her and she didn't want to be friends with him, just move on. Move exactly, along. Move find, on. find some more Men friends. Men do get really butthurt at the basic um, kind of right of women to not want to speak to you. To not... I think I told you about this, Javi, when this guy kept talking to me and I was like, look, have a nice day. I've got a good... <laughs> I was like, have a nice day. And this guy literally goes, you think you're beautiful? You think you're beautiful, yeah? Oh, God. I was like, yeah, I, do. I don't think I do. I know I am. Bye. Very good. I like that. That was a very good response. But it's just the fact that, like, we can have the right to not want to engage in conversation. We can have the right to not, to, you know, to choose to not be friends with you, to choose to not kiss you on the first day, whatever. You know, we have that right. Um, and it's just kind of the entitledness he felt as, you know, obviously a white male um, to day after day slander and in the words of that presenter on GMB I, I agree with him his behavior was diabolical but, yes um and it's just oh god it just took the attention away just... from what what was important and you know she she's saying and and the things he was saying was like oh how how can Megan say this when you know our prince philip is in hospital he's not our prince philip first of all prince philip has said many uh, to it countless go google it problematic things he's racist he was part of the hitler youth um also like um he's going to be having the best medical care there is Do you know what i mean i think to try and you know distract from what she's saying um by trying you do i mean like he was just it was just, those baseless arguments yeah i just think he had only argument he has literally why was he getting so involved in a topic that obviously we want everybody of all colors to be involved in it but why is he criticizing the way a person a woman of color feels when she's all feelings are valid exactly and why is she and i saw on um, somebody saying on um, it must have been gmb big b um that big b big b why why does everyone feel the need to talk about racism towards black people and um sort of defend it why don't you leave it to us to say how we feel which is true why is he discussing the topic which actually he has no place to say whether or not megan's experienced racism as a white man i I mean i have no place no one has any place other than megan exactly who witnessed it um it's, it's just outrageous to be honest and that was something that unfortunately like took press away from you know what megan was talking about in that interview um and also like if we're gonna speak frankly, um, the difference in media coverage between Meghan Markle and Prince Andrew, um, I mean, they were calling they were calling this interview the biggest royal crisis in eighty five years, and I was like, did, did you not see that Newsnight interview with Prince Andrew literally just a year ago? Did you not see that? Um, and I, you know, I found out the other day. Oh, uh, well, this was a few days ago. I found out um, that you know that picture of Prince Andrew and Jeffrey Epstein. It surfaced in 2011. People knew about it. He was being investigated in 2011, and still nothing has happened. Ten years on, wow. He's, Prince Andrew has been investigated this whole time, and nothing's happened. And we know for a fact what he's done. 
Um, I forgot her name. It's her name Virginia, but the the woman in that picture that's gone viral with him around this woman wearing crop top. Oh right. Um, but that woman, she she well, she's a woman now. She's a child at the time. Um, she came out and she said exactly what he's done, and um, you know they have records. They have private jet records that every time Prince Andrew shared a jet to, you know, with Jeffrey Epstein and went to Jeffrey Epstein's private island, uh, which was literally, you know, an island where he just sexually trafficked young girls um, and got away with it because there was, you know, no other people on this island, which is really terrifying if you think about it. Like now, if you have enough wealth, you can literally just do what you want and literally have complete impunity. Um, and you know it was I think it was over 10 times like he went on a private jet with Jeffrey Epstein um, and it, it's it's really it's shocking that in this country people are talking more about how um, Meghan is supposedly disrespecting the Queen than Prince Andrew raping young girls um, I saw a couple of like memes as well where it's like, well, Meghan Markle should just turn into a white male paedophile um, and she'll be, and the media will leave her alone, which is the reality. I don't really see, I, I just don't know how they brushed it under the carpet. He literally had about one minute of headlines after that interview, then boom, it was gone. There was literally nothing about him anymore. Which is, and we all know he wasn't in a pizza express in working. Um, it's just, it's just outrageous to me. I can't, it really bothers me. Yeah, did you want to add anything about Prince Andrew? No, I just have no words. He's just so... I just can't believe it. It's just so shocking. I feel like in this day and age, people need to be held accountable for their actions, regardless of what they've done. Everybody needs to be held accountable when they've done something wrong. That's the only way to, but, set, that's the only way to set an example for people to not follow suit and to do really disgusting things. Just don't do it. it no just... one should be held above the law. He exactly. Should, why hasn't he been arrested? Why hasn't he even been, you know, questioned, let alone charged? Like, why hasn't he been questioned? Um, and I think we just wanted to compare directly the kind of um, the media's response to Prince Andrew in comparison to the media's response to Meghan, who's really done nothing wrong. Um, and, you know, if they want to really say Prince Harry and Meghan Markle are, you know, the biggest royal scandal... Um, I mean, I was watching this documentary and apparently um, Prince Andrew used to be called, and makes me gag a little bit, used to be called Randy Andy. Oh, boy. And uh, I know oh, actually, I actually gagged. I actually gagged. I felt a bit sick. I felt my breakfast come back up. Um, and apparently the reason he divorced, um, I think her name's Ferguson, Sarah Ferguson, his, his um, I, I don't know, anyway, the mother of Eugenie and the other one, I hate them all, but... Um, and the reason they broke up was because Prince Andrew's wife was seen in America or somewhere um, getting her toes sucked. And that's, and then, yeah, they actually recorded it and they like aired it. And, and that, do you not think that's a bigger royal scandal than Meghan Markle deciding to choose a toxic, need to leave a toxic yeah, environment? Yeah. Like, but they, just... but they, they just wanted to put everything on her just because she, I believe there's an element of racism towards it. That's why everyone's going yeah, so hard towards her. Um, rather than just leaving her alone, all they want to do is just live their life, leave them alone, leave them the f alone, let them live their life, have their. Two- you can swear. You can swear on this podcast, Jan. <sighs> okay, I have to think about it and work myself up. <laughs> you know, not sure if the fans are ready. So, but like, all they want to do is have their two kids. You know, leave her alone. You know, let her let her be a mum. Let her do what she wants to do. You know, I just think I just don't understand why everyone was going so hard towards her. I felt sorry for her. I was just thinking. If I ever met her, I just felt like I'd just say sorry because I just have nothing more to say to her because I feel shameful that 
in this country where I was born and brought up that this is the reaction she got when coming when trying to just marry someone that she loved and I just felt shameful that I had to be part of this society that treated her like that I agree um and also I just wanted to mention I I find it so bizarre and so strange that kind of working class people are I mean I expect it from like Tories you know to protect the queen and whatever with with all their might because essentially the royal family just you know um upholds a system of classism in this country but like when working class people are just blindly like you know being outrageously racist to Meghan or um you know feel this overwhelming need to you know vocalize and protect um the royal family um it really just makes me it I don't know it just makes me feel weird because it's just like they they've literally lived a life of privilege they are from you know it's hereditary monarchy like it's yeah you you can't you can't relate to them in one way like you, do you know what I mean there's nothing relatable about them as a working class person like there's nothing and on top of that um the family has members of the Hitler youth um which you know working class people and their families obviously fought in world war one world war two against um you know hitler and nazis and on top of that like your tax money and the majority of your salaries being taxed to people who don't pay tax to people who you know your tax money is essentially going towards you know the expenses and lifestyle of a pedophile prince andrew there's completely nothing to relate to um so i just find it so strange and bizarre to be honest i'm just abolish the monarchy please <laughs> Let's, let's just do it. <laughs> um, but I think the discussion of Prince Andrew kind of broadens into, um, you know, there's obviously footage of Jeffrey Epstein um, with Donald Trump. Um, and also kind of obviously Donald Trump being elected after he said that he grabs women by the pussies. Um, I think that really says a lot. Um I remember that at the time and I remember what the video the recording came out and I was literally like I mean even I didn't even need to hear the recording fire, 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 just, said that wasn't... it's just locker room talk it's just locker room talk <laughs> it's, honestly it's just so stupid <laughs> I was wondering so, I thought did my mic no I right just here? really wanted to say that before I forgot it anyway continue apologies yeah yeah um yeah it just it just really I, I didn't need to hear the recording that was enough but to hear the recording i honestly at that time before he was elected i literally that's it for him now that's it he's not going to be elected that's it for him now there's no chance what the hell and it was just so god i just uh, it really gets me it really does it really gets me and obviously all those things came out on those files with him and um his apparently he oh my god there's so many things that came out um, there was an interview that came out where he said he would have sex with his own daughter because she was really attractive. Um, you know, he apparently raped his first wife and then put a gagging oh, yes. order on her so she couldn't. And by the way, you know, if you are in a relationship with a woman or you are married to them, you can still rape them. Okay. A lot of people are like, oh, well, once you're married... It's it doesn't like, count. No. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It does. Like, it does matter. And it it does still happen. Um, and... Um, I mean, so much stuff came out. Those documents came out with him and Jeffrey Epstein um, of all those legal cases that they paid off of children they had molested and raped. Um, and we all know Jeffrey Epstein did not kill himself. I think we all kind of, we all know that. Um, and we all know there's like a bigger system above him, above what's going on, which includes the wider exploitation of women. Um, and 
honestly it's terrifying and i was reading that like i don't know the exact details i'll try to include it on the um do i keep saying linkedin instead of linktree no no i think you were saying linktree oh, i think before i must have said linkedin <laughs> <laughs> anyway um i'll put it on the linktree some links um and but there was a judge on the case on the jeffrey epstein case um and yeah she was killed her family were killed by a supposed posted worker who clearly wasn't, who literally just came to kill them. This is something that obviously they're trying to keep the lid on. Um, and obviously it's connected to the wider system of um, gender-based violence and sexism in this country. And it needs to be mentioned. And even Boris Johnson, like before he was elected um, as prime minister, he, you know, the police were called to his house um, on domestic violence allegations and because the neighbours heard him shouting at... Um, I don't know his wife's name. Are they even married? I have no clue. I don't think they are. I don't. I don't know his um, eighth fiance's name. Um, but she she was screaming and um, yeah. Even the comments Boris Johnson makes about women's breasts and all the sexist comments he makes, the racist comments. I mean, all these things are interlinked. Like, if someone's sexist, they're bound to be racist as well. I'm sorry. Like, all those things are interlinked. Um, and if we are, you know, we have a system where, you know, a paedophile can just continue being a paedophile, not even being investigated and sit in Buckingham Palace and, you know, burn up an expenses bill, millions of pounds. And then we have a prime minister in government who's been called on domestic violence allegations, who's made sexist comments. You know, we've had Donald Trump be the president of America, despite everything he's done, his relations to Jeffrey Epstein. I mean, he was never investigated for that. Like people were posing questions to people who were associated to Jeffrey Epstein. And, you know, some of the most grotesque footage was of Donald Trump and Jeffrey Epstein, like leering at women, um, and that was never put into question. His relations with Jeffrey Epstein were never put into question. Um, so I just think it says a lot about the system we're in. And we can't really disconnect, you know, what's happened this week to Sarah Everard from, you know, Prince Andrew not being arrested from all the statistics we mentioned, because all of those things are interlinked. Um, and it happens here. It happens everywhere in the world. It happens at the highest level. And when we have, you know, um, institutions that are just male dominated, white, white male dominated, um, what do we expect, you know, is going to happen? You know, it's not. And I feel like now I really hope people continue, um, continue resisting and protesting um, against the Metropolitan Police and against what happened to Sarah, because, um I hope it actually, you know, materializes into something and it doesn't just become, okay, the police will, you know, introduce a policy or a bill and that's not going to do it. Like we need a whole system change and I hope people start to start to realize that. And also, um, I think we just wanted to mention and talk about some kind of personal instances that me and Janvi have both experienced when we've been together. Um, I mean, she actually, do you want to talk about that cafe? Okay, we <clears throat> sit up for this. <laughs> so basically, right, we went to this is the same cafe where that guy held you hostage, wasn't it? I oh, think yeah, I don't was. know why we went back. I don't, I don't know. know. We thought good. we thought it was a few years, you know, clear he wasn't there anymore, so we thought we could go back. And he well, wasn't actually there that time we went. We did actually have a look to see yeah, the guy. Yeah. yeah, and he wasn't. We did a sur- quick survey of the property when we weren't in. Um, so we sat down and, you know, just like before you order, so Farah, I think it was before we ordered, did we have food? I don't remember what stage it was. We were sat we there. Had, yeah, we just sat and had drinks. Yeah. So we sat there and Farah was like, oh, I'm just going to go to the, you touch up my makeup or whatever you were doing, you need to go to the toilet. So you went and, um, 
and this so I can feel like this presence behind me that's constantly like hovering around me and I'm thinking oh my god what what is going to go down goodness me so and then this lady just comes up to me and she's like my friend really likes your friend and I'm like who's your friend right (laughs) and then she points to the waiter who actually I think he sat us and he took our initial drinks order and gave us our menus and he was a bit creepy like hovering around and I was like okay and he was like she was like could you give me her number so I can give it to my friend and then I basically was like um I was like I was like what I literally I was like you're asking I was like this is so unprofessional I was just sorry and also there was a big age gap between me at that time and the waiter it was just super weird I don't even know how to explain it so I basically I was like are you seriously asking me for my friend's number and I was like why would I give you her number and um and I was like why is also why are you doing this on behalf of your friend why is he not coming over here to talk to me and why is he not just casually talking to her why you know and I was like we're just trying to eat this is very unprofessional and it's just like throughout the whole time we were eating the person was just like both of them were staring at us because obviously I have this like bar and sometimes I do get a bit like I do it like yeah there's a tolerance and when someone crosses the line where you start to feel uncomfortable that's when I sort of like flip a switch so I might have been like maybe a bit too harsh towards her but I just felt like it was just really inappropriate at a time when we're trying to eat and staring at us and hovering around us and stuff like that so she then apologized I think she apologized and then obviously there was just the fact that they were hovering around and staring at us the whole time while we were eating that wasn't fun but it literally the thing is it happens quite a lot like when we're just out and like they think it's okay and they think like that behavior is somewhat you know logical reasonable and normal and it's not Um, also for that to come from another woman and she was like being very the problem is that she wasn't being nice about it like I would have been if she was nice about it to me I would have been nice about it to her she was just being very forceful and her language was just like and her tone was just very aggressive and also if you want something from someone there's no way you're going to go about doing that in an aggressive tone they're not going to give you anything mate so all of that be professional and it's like and also, I literally just said, she was like, can you just ask your friend if she'd be interested? And I said, listen, I'm not going to make my friend uncomfortable. I'm not going to ask her because I already know the answer. I'm sorry, but we just came here to eat. We just don't want anything further. And I tried to do it politely, but then she just got really rude. So then in the end, I had to, you know, check my tone in line with her tone. And you know. yeah, I remember just being in the toilet and, I was, and there was a text from you and you were like, you will not believe what's just happened. <laughs> <laughs> Come out and you tell me what's happened. Yeah, it was um, just too was, much. No, thank God you're there. Bloody hell. Um, but also that situation in the other restaurant we went to, do you remember that really like greasy guy with the greasy oh. ponytail? Um, by, by the way, that guy. So um, I just want to say, at the end, they, they were giving us, is it baklava? baklava? Yeah, yeah, yeah So he was giving it out to everyone at the end. You know, like as a final thing, like, oh, thanks for coming. <laughs> Here's a bit of a dessert. <laughs> I saw <laughs> This has nothing to do with anything. I just wanted to say it. Uh, we saw him lick his two fingers, put it on the baklava, put it on the plate and <laughs> hand it to other guests. So we just turned to each other we're like, do not eat it, okay? He'll give it to us, but do not eat it. And we were like, should we tell those people? We just didn't know what to do. We were just so shocked. He, honestly, it just shows the kind of just unprofessionalness about all these like perverts in these positions. But like... um this particular situation with this greasy guy with the um with the greasy ponytail who was licking his his fingers when he was putting baklava on the plates baklava by the way for people who don't know it's just like a like a sweet phyllo pastry like it's an arabic sweet phyllo pastry with very nuts, tasty um and syrup it's very good um and basically um 
this whole time from the minute we walked in like you know we felt really uncomfortable he kept asking personal questions like where we're from and stuff and it was just really unprofessional like we want to like we we just want to eat our food like i didn't realize i came into like a speed dating bar like we just want to eat our food like and it's, it's so and especially when it's something that you know clearly makes you feel uncomfortable and you're literally giving signs that you're uncomfortable you're not partaking and they just continue um also what got me is like the fact that um I felt really sorry for you because obviously he was trying to make his advances towards you. But the problem was, was when somebody's watching you and already some people find eating for me, I find eating to be quite a stressful thing sometimes when I know people are staring at me. Right. Or when people are just looking across me, people that I'm not familiar with. And I was just thinking you, I could like sort of feel that you were getting stressed out that you weren't eating because you were just constantly staring. And we've come here to eat. And the fact that you felt so uncomfortable to not eat and also his sheer unprofessionalism where he was giving, he was taking away your plates, your can of Coke, and he was giving you a refill, but he wasn't doing it towards me. And he was literally just like brushing me off and being so rude. And I literally, I just said, am I yeah, not he, sitting at this he table gave me too? That drink. He, so he made, he blended some drink and he gave it to me. I'm not going to touch it after the whole Bacawa gate. But he gave me some blended drink. And then Jamie was like, where's mine? So- <laughs> I was, and I literally, I was like, am I not sitting here too? Am I not a he was, customer? He was like, this is this is on the house. This is on the house. Um, and Jamie just said, where's mine? And he, he didn't, actually, he didn't even know what to reply. Um, yeah, did but he's so it was just so uncomfortable and so creepy. And I think like to the basic extent of like, um, you know, we, we just want to eat our food in peace and that's happened on several occasions now um, and even like sometimes like if we're like waiting at the bus stop or um, whatever. I remember one specific um, situation where we were both just waiting at the bus stop and this guy was at the bus stop and I can only describe him as he looked like Voldemort and um, so Voldemort was literally like he was just looking jambi up and down in such like it, it was it was so like he stopped walking and he was just staring it literally was something that you know you couldn't you know not notice um and he was just staring at jambi like she's literally like a piece of meat um and he got to the point where like you know what i think we're just gonna like cab it home because we didn't feel safe taking the bus so he was gonna follow us on the bus he was literally on the same bus stop as us he was going to get on the same bus so instead of paying like obviously I i think at that time i was a student or whatever i don't actually remember but instead of paying like the one pound ten to get on a bus i had to then fork up money to get a uber home or you know to get home safely i just think why we have to make our precautions it's a public transport service for everyone to use and i just i felt so uncomfortable listen I'm, i was a fan of harry potter as a kid but not like that mate <laughs> not like that but it's just like these incidents of like they've become so normalized to us as at the time we just process them we we try to think how we're going to react we constantly think like we're planning our exit routes we're planning of what we're going to do if they approach we're planning of what we're going to do and then we kind of get past that situation and then it's just we we get on to the next do you know what i mean we don't even process yeah. it and think that okay this is part of you know an interconnected system of you know sexism uh institutional gender-based violence and we just get on with our day like we don't really think about it in the bigger picture because we've just normalized it and all of these incidents are not acceptable and are not okay um and I feel like I've kind of come to the age now where, like, um, when I was younger, I was a bit naive. Like, sometimes if I remember one time I was at a bus stop, um, always that happens at bus stops, clearly. One time I was at a bus stop and this weird guy came up to me. I must have been about 16. Um, and this weird guy came up to me and he was like, he, he was like, oh, can we be friends? And I was like, what the hell? I was really too quite scared. And I was like, OK. 
Um, and then he was like, oh, friends have numbers. So, so give me your number. And he was a lot older than me. And honestly, just because I felt frightened, I gave him my number because the situation is if you don't give them the, your number, like what's going to happen? Um, and as I've gotten older, I've kind of just been like, no, I don't want to give you my number. Or, you know what? Let me take yours. And then just never call them. Um, but it's like, we shouldn't have to like, no should be enough. Do you know what I mean? Like, if we just we shouldn't have interested. to question. We shouldn't have to question our safety as well if we don't do something just because we, they don't question, agree with yeah. us. Yeah. And just to mention as well, like, um, I was going to make a social media po- uh, post. <laughs> I was going to make a social media post um, about kind of all the incidences um, I've personally been in alone or with my friends, female friends, um, where we've had someone stare at us, we've had someone, you know, you know, kind of have certain you know people who act in a certain way that makes us feel frightened or makes us feel the need to take a picture send it to our relatives send it to like um, our family our friends to you know um, as essentially like a precaution of our own safety and that's something that we've normalized and it was only up until I went through my snapchat memories or my phone memories and stuff that I was like oh my god I have all these pictures and videos of all these guys acting in a really strange way um, that I've sent to my family just in case anything happened um and who said horrible things or who you know um if i hadn't you know removed myself from that situation god knows what would have happened like i have all of these videos and pictures um and most likely a man won't even have one picture do you know what i mean and it's just something that is so normalized um things that we have to do to ensure our own safety yeah even if we like are in an uber home and like we know the route to our house or we know the route and they take a weird shortcut or whatever like we're messaging each other like this is this is the registration this is the driver this is you know and we do that a lot like we actually do that quite a lot um and it's not okay um and even like in a previous podcast i believe we spoke about this in a part of the podcast where we're talking about misogyny and sexual harassment <clears throat> i think it was episode three um and we we're talking about this story of when we were on the train um me Janvi, and our other friend fozia and um this guy came up to us and tried to like um just being really disgusting and to be honest sexually harassing us and saying really disgusting sexual things that I was really innocent at the time I didn't even know what they meant um and you know we laugh about it now but at the time it was it was actually quite scary it was actually very traumatizing because none of us knew what that what that specific word had meant and none of us knew anything that he was saying because we were young and it was just super weird for somebody who obviously looked a lot older than us to come to girls who obviously look very we looked like we were like under 18 or like barely 18 we were very young i just don't i don't get that i just never understood that what made him want to do that and it was just it was just honestly it was really like horrible as well like i i I remember just sitting there and he was literally like fully facing me just staring at me up and down and then i felt so physically uncomfortable thank god like jambi like you were there um because it was i just honestly don't know what i would have done in that situation he was saying like i just went for him i I just went for him yeah thank god um, I can tell you have really nice feet, and it just started escalating from there. And then, um, and then, Jam- and then, literally, he said some disgusting sexual word that I didn't know. Um, and then Jamie just went for him. Enough was enough, I and did. she went for him. He apologized, and he got off at the next stop. Oh my god, the next stop was Clapham, um, <laughs> and and he got off. Um, but I think that just says a lot. Like we're even just on the train. Like it happens every possible place. Like we've mentioned stories of like I, I told like when I went when I used to go to school, um, there was you know I, the route to to my school was you have to walk up a hill, 
And um, there would sometimes be an old man at the bottom of the hill, parched up on his bike, and he would be looking up girls' skirts. And he would literally shout horrible things as we were walking up this hill. And we told teachers about it, and they were like, oh, well, take a different route. Oh, well, um, you know, wear shorts under your skirt. And and that's what they suggested to us. And ne- never... so we have to make all the changes. We have to do everything. We have to make all the changes. There's no holding holding anybody else accountable for what they're doing. Exactly. And it's like every single possible scenario. So walking to school, walking home, at work, even just going to a restaurant, eating a meal, going on the train, going waiting at a bus stop. It happens every place, everywhere, every time. Like it. it... It's unimaginable if you if you're yeah. if you're not a woman at this point. I think that's what's really kind of resonated with every woman is that it happens all the time, everywhere, and it's enough. It's even just like I remember one thing at school. It's not really a big deal, but it kind of just sort of sat with me. It was when I was in primary school, and this individual was actually bullying me. He was being very horrible to me, and um, I think he was going out with this other girl, or you know, they were like a everyone knew they were an item in primary or school. Yeah, yeah, it was weird. It took, please. Yeah, it was super weird. And um, so they were all, you know, well, he was bullying me, blah, blah, blah. And I tried to sort of, like, bring it up to my teacher. Or somehow the teacher got involved. I don't know if they saw an argument that we were having or I told. I can't fully remember. But then, obviously, the teacher brought in my mum. And this is the only time my mum has pretty much been brought into school. And this actually does have nothing to do with me anyway. And the my mum came out. My mum was like, the teacher basically said, and even I heard it as well because it was when they were coming out of the room, oh, you know how girls are. They're just so catty. They probably both like the same boy. You know what they're like. They can just act like that. And I was just thinking, what? I was like, this this kid is literally bullying me. And I've said to you that he is bullying me. He's being really horrible about me. And um, instead of just literally believing me, they're putting, oh, it's just, you know, what girls do. You know what girls are like. And that just really irritated me. I, I remember it now just because I was thinking how unfair it is. And we're, we're actually saying that something is wrong and people aren't believing us because, you know, oh, you know, you know what girls are like, whatever. And that just really irritated me. Sorry. No, that is really, really outrageous. Um, and it's not the way that that situation should have been handled. Um, but I think it just comes also as like other women dismissing these instant like do i mean like yeah. oh it's a compliment if you if you get wolf like catcalled or someone wolf whistles at you like it's not a compliment and if you're alone it's quite scary actually um and i know i've been in a situation like if oh my god do you remember that time we were on that bridge i'm not going to mention the area but we were taking pictures of each other on that bridge oh yeah this guy came down yes. and like he opened his car window he's like oh do you want a ride he literally, he stopped his car, he reversed it a little bit to talk to us. And, oh, my God, it was actually kind of scary because it was dark. Yeah. Um, there and was we not a lot of cars on that bridge. Yeah, yeah there, there was not a lot of cars or people on that bridge. It was just literally us and this guy. And, honestly, it was kind of scary, to be honest. But that's not the first time that's actually happened. Like, I've been, I can't remember where I was, but I must have been, like, 15, 16. And I was, um, I think I was with... Um, oh, I can't mention their names, but... Um, I was, so I was with a friend, and like these these guys in the car literally they came to us like oh let us drive you home let us drive you home it's like no like it's you know it's the typical worst fear when you're a kid like oh you know a strange man in a white van it was literally like that and that it's, it's so common and it happens all the time and even like if you're mentioning oh that incident of me and you on that bridge taking those pictures in the car and i'm like oh my god there's another memory of this like it happens so often honestly even just doing this podcast so many things have sort of triggered off in my memory of certain situations and it's just like 
it's never ending I could if I can even think of more that I'm not even bother yeah. saying because there's just so many instances exactly and there are some things that also we don't want to publicly share at this do I mean like there's some things that are a bit too sensitive Personal. yeah to mm. share at this stage but um it's something that every woman experiences and it really it needs to stop and it's like a really overdue stop at this point as well um is there anything else you want to mention before we wrap up honestly no i just wish for a better world i just wish everyone to be safe happy you know don't have to worry about money don't have to worry about everything i just want everyone to be happy don't want anyone to be hurting i think we just have to keep talking about these important conversations till these things stop happening and i do believe we can get to a society where women feel safer because i have hope um some, during this whole situation i've just lost hope even just about you know seeing the statistics of things rising during covid seeing all of this um everything with blessing it just makes me lose hope and then i realize i can't lose hope because i believe that one day it will all be okay not even just um oh you know i mean not even just for today but yeah. for forever i want it to be a better place for everyone I agree. I hope that too. Um, so yeah, let's wrap up this podcast. Um, just want to say as well, um, in the link tree, okay, link tree, <laughs> not LinkedIn. Um, in the link tree, um, we're gonna link some um charities and some organisations, some domestic violence um groups as well. That if you are in a situation and you're listening to this podcast and you feel like you need to contact one of these groups, um, you'll one hundred percent be in control and they'll one hundred percent be there for you. Um. Yeah, there are some really good organisations um, that you can reach out and contact and we will um, link them in the link tree. Yes. Um, and also, so, yeah. we're here as well. You can, you know, drop us a message on our Instagram, which is Revolution Now Podcast. You know, if you want to chat, we're always here. Yes, I, yeah, I'm here, I'm here. <laughs> big F is here. Big, big F. F and big J are here. Big J. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, and if you do want us to cover any more topics in the podcast or have something you would like us to specifically talk about, um, then please do just message us at at Revolution Now Podcast. Um, so yeah, just to wrap up this podcast now, uh, thank you for listening. Um, this has been the Revolution Now Podcast. This is the Revolution Now Podcast. Royalty-free music created by us played by us feel free to use it we won't plagiarize you <laughs>